This is Place Matters, a podcast at the intersection of race, place, and poverty, where we explore the belief that the path towards ending inequity and promoting prosperity is through the work of holistic neighborhood development. Welcome to the final series focusing on one of FCS's three pillars. During this season of Place Matters, we will focus on the pillar of economic development. I'm Sean Duncan, the Director of Training and Consulting for FCS and the host for Place Matters. FCS has chosen to work in historically black and brown neighborhoods that are experiencing the concentrated forces of inequity. All too often, neighborhoods that have been deliberately disadvantaged get blamed for the conditions that are out of their control. And at the same time, the solutions being devised don't include them either. This is painfully obvious when we look at the ways our cities think about economic development. Most of the systems and strategies we are using are creating the problems, not solving them. FCS advocates that ending inequity and promoting prosperity means getting our economic scales adjusted to the unit of neighborhood. What might it mean to change the paradigm and begin the pursuit and practice of neighborhood economics? Joining me today to talk about a move toward neighborhood economics is FCS Director of Economic Development, Jeff Delp. Jeff Delp, you are the Director of Economic Development for FCS. It's a pretty obtuse phrase, right? Economic development, or is it economic? What do you go with? Economic. Economics. Or I'm a pecan person. Okay, yeah. pecan. Okay, so economic <laughs> development. What does that mean for? What does economic development mean for FCS? Oh man. Uh, so we define success in economic development a couple ways. One, we want to uh, create jobs here in the community. So. One of the things that South Atlanta has struggled with over the years is having local jobs that people can, can access um, without getting into a car or going a long distance. And so we want to create jobs that are based here in the neighborhood. Uh, we want to create a healthy gathering spot. Uh, and so, you know, when I moved to South Atlanta in 2001, what, the first thing that struck me was there literally was hardly any place to go. Uh, if I wanted to get out of the house and get food, I could go down to the to Ato and go to their snack um, little vending machine in their, in their, in their break room. So, that, so right? peanut M&Ms that's wasn't where, enough That's for where you. I could that's go, right? <laughs> uh, uh, and, you know, so, something we heard early on was, that, man, if we want to invite people over or, you know, do something, like we have to always leave our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So we went there to be a, a gathering spot for, for our neighbors. But not only that, but um, when I think about cities, when I think about neighborhoods, I also think about their commercial districts, right? So I'm from Philly. I think about um, Center City or here in Atlanta. You talk about East Atlanta. You think about the village or you talk about West End, right? You think about Ralph David Abernathy. Uh, and so having a commercial district um, provides identity for um, for the outside to, to say, hey, South Atlanta is here. And that's how a lot of neighborhoods, that is their identity for a exactly, lot of folks. Like right? where you have your commercial activity. <laughs> yeah. And so that's uh, a hope for us. Um, as well. Uh, and then, of course, we want to connect people to something that they actually want, right? So we're, right. we're not going to sell widgets um, <laughs> just, just for the sake of selling widgets, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for us, that's looked like selling coffee and selling groceries. Um, it could be any number of things, right? But the, the, the important piece of that is that what we do here is for everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, so I moved here in 2001. Um, the city began changing very rapidly in 2012. Uh, and one thing I remember just realizing, and this is before we opened the market, 
was most of that change wasn't for our neighbors. It's for the and people who were coming. It's for the people who were coming. Some of that was avert, some of it wasn't, mm-hmm. um, but that definitely was a feeling. And so one thing we've always tried to do um, with our stores is make sure anybody who walks in can feel like it is theirs. Right. Uh, we do that through price points. We th- do that through who we hire. We do that through where we put the front door, um, product mix. Um, but any, if you're a high school kid, if you're a senior, if you're shopping with EBT, if you have a million dollars in your bank account, we want you to walk in if you're like, this is your store. Wow. Yeah, we've talked a, a good bit about how you've said we've got to change the, the paradigm when we think about economic development. Uh, that we need something that's more like a neighborhood economics is what we need to be thinking about. So what what is the current paradigm we're operating with and what is the changed one you'd like to see? So the current paradigm is one that's pretty unique. To, uh, <laughs> is this where we say insert rant now? Yes, uh, rant, incoming rant. Um, and so we have sold our soul to the car. Um, and so for the last 60, 70, 80 years, all, almost all of our development in this country has been centered around the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that's done is that has pushed economics to the edge of town um, or outside of town. Um, and it's become really convenient when you have a car and you can get there. Um, but what is left behind are folks who don't have access to that car. Uh, and so now they are forced to fend for themselves, literally. And how do you get groceries? How do you get food? How do you get household supplies or whatever when the system literally wasn't built for you? Uh, and so, you know, you go back 100 years and, and there's tons of things that are better now than there were 100 years ago. Some things are, are worse. And this, in my opinion, is one thing that's worse is that. You know, you go back and look at our city 100 years ago, and there would be a small little grocery store every couple, half a mile, right? And you can walk that. Versus now, we have these big, huge grocery stores that suck out mm. all the people who can get there and leave behind those that can't. Mm. Uh, and wow. so versus, you know, 1920s, uh, then I can, I can have a map that I can show you here. You can see where all these grocery stores were versus now they're all on the edge, right? Wow. And so if you're walking, you're just... You're done. You're, you're done, right? You can't but walk at least our public transportation, though, is really Abs- a, <laughs> can efficiently get people to um, those. Absolutely, yeah. So you know, if you, I, I could actually walk four miles faster than the bus would get me there. Uh, so there's that's there's that problem. Uh, uh, but not only it's not only location; it's also the style of grocery, or style of stores, right? So now, because more people can drive there, you have bigger parking lots, bigger store. They're not corporate stores, right? And so versus the mom and pop uh, store, and you think okay. about. How um, you know how important Main Street is to these neighborhoods? Well, the owners and operators of those businesses are are just as important to that neighborhood as their business is, right? And you think about uh, a Target. Uh, and I love everyone loves Target, but uh, Home Depot <laughs> and all the big corporations, right? They have this far flung office somewhere where all the money goes to. And yeah, sure, the store manager is has some role, right? But they're not they're not embedded in their community. They're not right. looking out for what's best for that that particular neighborhood. And so when we rob our communities of, of ownership, literally yeah. a little ownership yeah. um, uh, and, and, and more direct investment in the neighborhood, you just separate out the, the so problems like from the Identity, solutions. talent, and dollars are all circulating exactly. elsewhere versus yeah. in that neighborhood. Yep. Uh, uh, and so, and getting there, it gets more dangerous because we build a bigger road so we can get there faster. Uh, so anyway, all of it is tied together uh, and all of it is around when we just, we, you know, in the 40s and 50s and 60s began just building everything for for the car. And we just said, yeah. you know what, that works and kind of forget about everybody else. So what is a, what is a neighborhood economics paradigm? What is that? What does that paradigm call us towards? 
smaller, um, uh, right? And so bigger isn't always better. My wife's from Texas, so hopefully she's not <laughs> listening. <laughs> but bigger is not always better. Sometimes mm-hmm. smaller, smaller is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, smaller, uh, more local, uh, people-oriented versus um, car-oriented, right? And so one thing, you know, we, we've been doing a lot of thinking about larger businesses and what else we could do and building housing and everything always comes to how many parking spots are you going to have? Right. And it freaking drives me nuts. Like, yeah. I don't, I, as a, as a business operator, I do not need parking. I need people. Uh, right. so I would trade 20 parking spots for 20 apartments all day long. Uh, right. And we've mm. gotten away from building stuff for people. Uh, how we build is it's solely decided around how, car throughput, car parking, how much traffic. And, uh, and that's, that's in the, that you have to pass those codes, right? I mean, those yeah, are exactly. formulas that you yep. have to, starting a business, you've got to, you have to show that you can do that before you can yep. open your business, right? And, you know, and people talk about what, what, how do you market, what's your marketing budget? Look, my best marketing is our sidewalk, right? Because okay. I, I can't compete with Starbucks marketing co- department, right? Come like, on, Jeff. They're, they're, they're going to be better than, than we are. Uh, you just need right? a weird mermaid on the and, cup, and I think that'll do it for you. And so the, the challenge for a small business like ours and others that we would love to see built is the minute someone gets in their car, I can no longer compete. Yeah. Right? Because you can go to Publix, you can go to Kroger, you can go to Starbucks, you can go to any other place that's probably going to offer um, <clears throat> at least more products, mm-hmm. sometimes a better product. Sometimes maybe uh, better prices, but but in the car you can get there. Yeah. Um, but if you know the person who lives uh, on the end of the block, like we win that all day long. Why, mm. why would you get in? Why would you go four miles down the road to get yeah. what you can get across the street? Right. Um, our challenge is there just aren't enough people who live yeah. in that and what would be our target demographic to make a business successful. Mm-hmm. And so as we've built things for for the car and spread things out and there's everything is single family zoning mm-hmm. and everything's got parking, you d- literally don't have enough people who can support. The land is taken they, by single family houses <clears throat> parking and yep. the density doesn't allow your business to. Exactly. So what, and, so, we're, not, and we're not gonna compete with the big guys, right? We're right. not, it's just not, it's, it's, the system's not there for us to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, so when you're thinking about these businesses, like we're really, geared to serve only the people who've been left behind. Yeah. And what would make us successful is being able to lure in some of the people who are being sucked out. Mm. Uh, and that gets hard as everything is still built. And what would your uh, maybe argument be for those who can get in the car? So like what you're describing for like a neighborhood scale economics uh, makes perfect sense for those who lack access. And so it's a matter of justice and equity and fairness to have neighborhood scale businesses, uh, but would you say there's benefit for, even if you can, even if you've got the money, the time, the privilege, the vehicle to go out, what would be your justification to say, actually, you're better and we're better if you if you participate in that smaller scale work? So I would actually say, you know what, go shop wherever the hell you want. Okay. Right? It's not going to change it. It's not going to change the paradigm, okay. but don't get in the way of stopping from things being built better. Uh, that's, yeah. that's actually the bigger issue. Like, we, yes, we could all go shop at the small mom and pop mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. and we could all do that. And that will, that would help. Mm-hmm. But what's hard is you, you referenced is are the laws that yeah, literally okay. say you cannot build better. Yeah. That you have to have parking. You can't build uh, apartments here. Wow. Uh, and so, and, and you know, you follow any sort of thread on any sort of social media around urbanism, right? Yeah. The word NIMBY, right, yep. is, is there, right? <laughs> Not in Not, my backyard. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so to, to understand that, hey, like 
how we've built our cities for the last 80 years is, is fundamentally wrong mm. and, mm. and we have to change it. Yeah. Uh, and changing it means that I might have to give up something. Yeah. Um, right. And, and that could be any number mm-hmm. of things, um, but not standing in a way of Don't realizing against, that we yeah. have to go back to something that's not so car centric and that, yeah. and, I, and then, you know, I might, this might surprise you. Like <laughs> I'm not saying no cars, right. What? But, but <laughs> we have to admit that we have yeah. built, everything almost entirely only for the car. Yeah. And that is what has to change that we mm. have to be able to say there's a, there's more than one way of doing it. And it this. doesn't seem weird to us. Like, no. I like it's the, like fish doesn't find water weird. Like we just assume cars have to be the center of all of our design, but could we, uh, could we assume the neighborhood or, or people could be at the center yeah. of that design? Hey guys, just jumping in here real quick with an opportunity for you to bring FCS's principles and practices to your neighborhood. We would love to take you and your local partners through our two-year multi-sector cohort that we call City Shapers. Cohorts launching this year will be partially funded by the Lilly Endowment, so it's a great time to jump in. We have taken three communities through this process already and would love to bring it to you next. Contact us today to learn more at fcsministries.org. Um, you've, you've talked about, so the, the, the system is against what we're trying to do, which means like we can't just recruit businesses to come into South Atlanta. So we're doing, and I've heard you call it like a pre-market solution. What, what does that terminology mean? And why is that the lane we're having to kind of swim in? Yeah. So uh, if any, you know, we started Community Grounds in 2010 and started Carver Market in 2015. Anybody with any sort of business sense (laughs) with the idea of making money would have balked, uh, would have run, you know, as fast as they could away Mm -hmm. from uh, starting a coffee shop in, in, in 2010. Um, and we were sometimes laughed at yeah. uh, trying to start a market uh, <laughs> in 2015. Yeah. Uh, and what I've watched in that process is uh, me- the, the value that these businesses have brought to our community far outweigh mm. the, the, the revenue, dollars. the dollars that we've yeah. invested to keep them afloat. Right. Mm. And, and so um, obviously, you know, if, if money could be made here, Again, going back to Starbucks, like yeah. they have a team of people whose job it is <laughs> is to go find where they can make money, right? Right. And right. so, if the market was going to uh, support a coffee mm-hmm. shop here, someone else would have found it, right? Uh, and for us, the pre-market intervention is, man, like we can run a store here that provides the jobs, provides the neighbor gathering spot, provides a sense of place and identity, and allows the the value of of that to permeate in a neighborhood mm. now. Not when the new people come, right? right? That's the, fun, the 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 problem. Isn't businesses coming? It's when they come, right? And it's who they come for. Yeah, for who? Uh, yeah. And so uh, for us, it's okay. Let's run a story now. Let's not wait for fifteen years until. Mm-hmm. And now you look around. Now there's a coffee shop half a mile away, another one mile down the street, right? And so they're popping up because there's more people with more money, yeah. right? But we've been able to have this for the last fifteen years, or we've have we have kids. 
young adults who work downstairs who've grown up with this store. This is their store. Right. And they now work here, right? And, um, you know, there are studies of, of <clears throat> the big G word, right? Gentrification. <laughs> right? But the benefit of gentrification is when people can grow up around it and the change is slow mm-hmm. and they get to be part of the process, right? And so now we have leaders downstairs yeah. who are making a really good salary, yep. leading the, the coffee shop that's been here for 10 to 15 years. Wow. Wow. That if we had waited... Waited until the market could carry it or whatever. Yeah, then it would be Never entirely happened. different, entirely different story. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, it's you know a bit more in vogue or common for people to celebrate the values of living or shopping locally. Uh, but I think when we use local, we're like hyper hyper <laughs> local. So so when we say local, kind of. Describe for our listeners like what scale we're thinking of when we say local. So I just moved, uh, but uh, a, a month ago I lived five blocks from the store, okay. and I was the fifth closest employee. Wow! Uh, wow! And so um, <laughs> of our eighteen staff, sixteen can walk to work. Most do walk uh, wow. walk to work. Uh, so we really are affecting the block right? mm. or the series of blocks, mm-hmm. uh, and so. Uh, obviously, we have people, customers who come farther than just those blocks. And, uh, right. But, yeah, we are literally thinking about the, the, the half-mile radius, mm. the one-mile radius around around our store and how do we really dive deep and impact that, that really localized. So actual neighborhood, historic neighborhood boundary yeah. level, not south side or east side exactly, or yeah. Atlanta metro. Like we're really saying this is a scale of, of, of actual neighborhood. Didn't you say, is it right that half of our customers are – or non-automobile customers? I mean, uh, I can't. If you ask can't me to put it on the screen, exactly. I yeah. can't. <laughs> I can't. But I can tell you this. So we see, we can see up to 400 people a day. Mm. We can survive on less than tar- 10 parking spaces. Uh, wow. Right? Probably because people turn over and they're not yeah. sitting for a long time. Uh, but, yeah, we, I mean, people are walking in the door. It helps mm. that there's a high school yeah. down the street, and most of those kids don't drive. So yeah. that's, that's yeah. to be honest, <laughs> a, big, it's a big part of it. But but the, the bus, the bike, walk. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we're, we do not, for a store that sees 400 people, the wow. amount of parking that we would need is far less than yeah. most stores would. would yeah, the parking have. lot is only full when there's some sort of event like going yeah, on. Or yeah, something. like when Lupton Center yeah, or something. Uh, <laughs> all right, moving on to the <laughs> when we failed to send them the alternative parking map. Not that that's ever happened 12, 12 15 times. Like that. Um, well, when it comes to starting businesses in historically disadvantaged neighborhoods like South Atlanta. Um, I've heard you say that you know, what you actually do doesn't really matter. What do, what do you mean by that? Like what, what we do doesn't actually matter. So what matters most mm-hmm. is, again, who is it for? Okay. Right? Because that, that can be snuffed out in uh, real mm-hmm. quick, right? And so mm-hmm. like we, we sell groceries and we sell coffee. Yeah. But you could sell... I don't know. Mm. You can sell sweatshirts. Uh, <laughs> you can it. sell watches. I mean, you can like, whatever whatever it is you want to do. Like, it can be a myriad of things. Right. Um, but what matters most is your belief, but also others' belief in you that you truly mean that it's for them. Mm. Uh, and without that, whatever you do won't matter. Right. Because right. you could you mm. could have the best program in the world that sells the best whatever mm-hmm. in the world, but if you do it and it's not for your neighbors. It's yeah. Not gonna, uh, Even if you're doing what we've done, grocery store in a food desert that you're likely going to have subsidized, I've seen attempts at that. But when you walk in, you're like, who's this for exactly? Like, it's really beautiful. It's great and all. But like, is this really scaled, fit, suited design for the neighborhood that you're actually yeah. in? 
So early on when we opened, people would often refer to us as the organic, the little organic market. And I fought <laughs> against that as hard as I possibly could uh, because organic means expensive, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And a lot of the funding that we went after uh, had money tied to local, yeah. uh, which I'm, and I argued that, well, Coke is a local yeah. company, right? So you're going to fund <laughs> me to sell Coke, right? Like, uh, um, but we, we told everyone, like, look, like, sure, we'll, we'll put the organic whatever on the shelf, right? Mm-hmm. But we're going to sell Cheetos and we're going to sell Coke mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to put cut fruit next to it and yeah. we're, we're going to give people an option right? yeah. but we're not going to make a moral judgment yeah. that what your choices you, can well, and can't be yes right yeah. um, and so uh, and having what people are familiar with and recognize and, and know helps that sense of belonging mm-hmm. uh, now we could have goals to move people to healthier choices and that's that's okay um, but but fundamentally you have to have what people once, yeah. um, and like it or not, <laughs> yeah, I just had a bag of Cheetos for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he did. There's still some orange dust on his fingers. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you know, you've you've uh, uh, kind of hit at this a little bit already, but uh, when we're thinking about economic development, even with leading with that word of economic, you know, our brains immediately go to jobs or income or the sale of goods and services, which are all a part of the outcomes we're looking for. Uh, but what I often what it feels like you get most excited about is the non-economic benefits of our economic development. And so, what, what are some of those that you say the pre-market intervention where we're having to subsidize and raise money like it far outweighs anything else because of these other benefits that aren't dollar related? What are what are those other benefits? Um, the biggest one is. Um this, the relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember going to the grocery store with my mom uh, as a kid, and she would always se- seem like would run into someone she knew. She's still telling me about like, she, she, <laughs> like her, her freaking. She's in her seventies, and she knows her middle school like music teacher. I'm like, how the world? Sorry, mom, if you're listening. Right, but how in the world did these? Yeah. What, what, what I yeah, as a ten year old, I remember like oh, I'm so ready to go, right? Yeah. But but you know, thirty years later, mm-hmm. she's still talking about these relationships that that I saw continue in the aisle of the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we, as our cities are changing, like change isn't the boogeyman, right? Change, change, things are always changing. We can't stop change. We can't try to keep things the way right. they are. Yeah. Um, the, the, the hard part of change in a lot of our urban communities right now is that change is happening to people uh, and, and not with people. And so what, the stores have provided is a space where we all who live here feel like it's our store, right? And so I'm standing in line with a kid who goes to high school, who is also standing in line with now his principal, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, who's, and maybe their mom's in the parking lot, right? But uh, we have all these unplanned interactions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that you just don't, you're not walking around the neighborhood knocking on door to door and saying, how are you doing today, right? But you're all talking to the person in front of you, in, of you in line at the coffee shop or in the grocery store. And so that sense of we have a spot that we can get to know one another. And even if you don't know people by name, there's a familiarity, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've watched other neighborhoods kind of dive into this, you know, Facebook uh, kind of, you know, rants around, right. you know, oh, those black kids standing on the corner or, mm-hmm. you know, those gentrifiers, you know, like we both, like everyone does it. And it's usually out of a lack of, Actually knowing each other. And yeah. lack of knowing each yeah. other, right? And you may not know their names, but at least, hey, that's, I, I saw that kid down at the store the other day, right? Or uh, um, or they know me because, you know, they see me walking to the, to the store. Uh, so that, it just provides a, a layer of familiar, 
familiarity, mm-hmm. uh, and it lo- lowers the level of mistrust. Yeah. Um, yeah. It allows us to see a little bit better about each other because at least like, oh, you live here, like, um, uh, uh, or hey, you're you're literally a person. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you're an actual human I being. I treat you like a person. Not <laughs> you're, as... you're not a demographic <laughs> profile. You're yes. a person. Yeah. And so that's that's been. I think South Atlanta has been able to avoid some of the worst of some of that kind of as right. change happens. Not entirely because of the stores, but I think they've played a pretty big oh, yeah. part um, of. Uh, there's been a lot of other intentionality along the way to, yes. to help with that, mm-hmm. but but I've seen the power of that. Um, and then now we have neighbors serving neighbors, right? So you know our. Head of their kitchen, the head of the bar, head of the grocery store, all live here in the neighborhood, right? And so they're hearing people's stories. I can't tell you how right. many times we've given people's ride somewhere or yeah. uh, helped people out uh, in a tough situation or, or celebrated uh, life yeah. events, right? Just because that's coming up. You're proximate. You're, you're proximate, right? Yeah. And so to me, the, the dollar value that you would assign to that is I, I had no idea how you would do it, but yeah. it'd yeah. be in the, it'd be lots of zeros. Yeah, um, yeah when so, people talk about the, grocery store and they ask some of the financial side uh, pretty clear in saying the amount we subsidize to keep the grocery store, there's nothing else we could spend that amount of money on to do as much good as being done. And it's not just because of fresh food or what it is that it is disrupting a food desert, but there's all these yeah. other non-dollar related impacts that keep happening with yeah. the, with the stores. So I say the relationships and I also say the sense of identity, right? Again, okay. I, yeah. I think this may be a little bit unique to South Atlanta, but when, when we say South Atlanta, no one knows where in the world that is, right? Like, <laughs> is that the airport? Is that underneath is that, Interstate 20? Is that McDonough? Uh, <laughs> right? But you can say, oh, I live near Carver Market, right? Um, oh, uh, yeah, there's I've been a there. I love those sandwiches. That. That coffee's great. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it provides a sense of identity for, um, for the, the neighborhood beyond what um, maybe we would have had without without. Yeah, there are a lot of models out there for trying to do economic development in under-resourced neighborhoods. We've chosen the model of making sure the business is in the actual neighborhood. It's with the actual neighbors, meaning they're employed from the neighborhood. And also that its goods and services are for that neighborhood versus like a factory that may ship things out. Why is that the approach we're taking? Because um, I thought it was a good idea. Because <laughs> it's the way we've Read always done because it. Because I'm smarter than everybody else. <laughs> uh, I mean, some of it, you know, it's ethos of our founder of how we yeah. got here, right? Yeah. So we've kind of always run a store. So we've yeah. kept running a store now. We've changed mm. that store, right? But some right. of that we've kind of inherited, inherited, yeah. uh, inherited that. Um, but I think ultimately, for me, why I keep doing it, right, and what is you know, you get the question. Of course, I get the question too. Like, does Harvard Market make money? Mm-hmm. And I want to be like, it doesn't effing matter. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it yeah. doesn't. Yeah, I, I, right. I mean, now it matters how much money we lose. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. Right? Money is not like... Joy, you know, we're li- our uh, development director. We're, yes. we're, we're <laughs> FCS is not made of money, people. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but there's so... like Part of the reason why neighborhoods don't have stores like Harvard Market and mm-hmm. Grounds is because the only thing that has mattered is the bottom line, right? Right, and so if you can if you can still care about the bottom line, but add in the job piece, add yeah. in the sense of place piece, add in the relationships, add in you know the I'd gathering spot, it. then mm-hmm. you can define success differently, and you can have and the the metrics and the outputs and all the things that come with that grow beyond just how many cups of coffee we sold. Right. Uh, so if you if you looked at us and you know you judged our success based on how many groceries we sold, how many cups of coffee. By the market standpoint, we would be a failure. Mm. Uh, but if you ask any nonprofit uh, in the city of Atlanta or the yeah. state of Georgia, is Carver Market a success? 
I would I, I would love to know who says no. <laughs> no I'm sure someone the out Philly there. The side of I'm Jeff sure, will yes, come out. Yes, I'll come to your house. No, never mind. I won't do that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this is great. I can't wait for more conversations on this stuff. This has really been wonderful. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. The best way to learn about our economic development work and everything else we do is to come see it for yourself. We love hosting guests in historic South Atlanta. Coming March of 2024, we will be hosting a two-day immersive event called Open House. Come, meet our team, see our work, and walk the neighborhood. To register, go to fcsministries.org slash open house. Place Matters is produced by Focused Community Strategies, whose mission it is to partner with under-resourced neighborhoods to provide innovative and holistic development that produces flourishing communities and God's shalom. Place Matters is hosted by FCS's training and consulting team. If you'd like to inquire about our training and consulting services, please reach out to us via our website or find us on LinkedIn and social media. This information can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to watch these episodes, the video can be found on our YouTube channel. If you like this episode, please share it on social media. Your support means a lot to us. This show was edited by Tim Rhodes with music by Eric North. Special thanks to David Park, Becca Klein, and Rose Silva at FCS for their work in organizing and recording these sessions. We would also like to say thanks to our partner, Lily Endowment, Inc., whose Thriving Congregations grant has made this podcast possible. Mm -hmm.